Welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. You are listening to episode 104, a conversation with Trish and Tiffany from Hip Hop Happy Hour. Trish and Tiffany are breast cancer survivors, and they are passionate about cancer survivorship and advocacy. During the pandemic, when there was nowhere to gather, and they had been missing that community that they had found among survivors, they started going live on Instagram to play music, to talk about cancer, pop culture, world events. It was a place where you could have cancer, you could have a chronic illness, but it wasn't what defined you. This has become known as hip hop happy hour. They are there every week to talk, to play music and really build that sense of community online. And this is something that has grown immensely in the last few years. On today's episode, Trish and Tiffany share their individual experiences with breast cancer. We talk about their advocacy movement titled Reclaim October, where they fundraise for grassroots breast cancer organizations. They create space to talk about themes that matter to breast cancer survivors and fight against that pink ribbon as a marketing ploy. We talk about survivorship, how we can make it better, how we can improve and better that time after active treatment where people are told, congratulations, you're done, go live your life, but you don't know what that means anymore. And what's next for this incredible duo? This is a conversation that you do not want to miss. And with that, it is my honor to welcome Trish and Tiffany to the Interlude Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Thank you both so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Dr. T. We're so excited to be here. So I've been following Hip Hop Happy Hour for a while, and I love, I joined, I think the first one I saw was when you had Elizabeth Coleman on doing the hip hop um and i've seen tiffany i've seen your videos with her dancing in the exam yeah. room uh, yeah she's she's great and so i kind of been really following i mean even before that but really since then so i'd love to hear your stories kind of your diagnoses how you two met and have formed this amazing community great t i'll let you take it sure Yeah. So I was diagnosed 2018. I was 35, um, found the lump myself. I was on vacation with my husband in Iceland and, um, you know, at the time just kind of figured breast cancer was, you know, for women, not my age. Um, I, I had a very different perception of it at the time. And I remember even getting the lump checked out uh, by my OB and just being, I remember one of the things I said to her is I'm like, I'm a non-smoker though. And she's like, yeah, okay. I'm still going to send you for this mammogram, but good to know, you know, so I guess uh, all this to say that my, my perception of breast cancer was so much different back then. And, and gosh, what I know now, but, um, you know, fast forward, I had, uh, invasive ductal carcinoma, left breast, um, no lymph node involvement, thankfully, um, double mastectomy, um, I did, I did eight cycles of, uh, CMF chemo. That was a Dr. Komen shout out recommendation for more of a preventative measure, uh, just to kind of, you know, hopefully ward off any rogue cells. And then I did do five weeks of, um, targeted radiation too. And then I am on tamoxifen now for, let's just call it the rest of my life. Cause that's what it feels like. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> oh, it's a uh, my frenemy. Um, but yeah, so, and, and then, you know, kind of through all of this, and I think this will be a nice segue into Trish and, and the story of how we met is, 
you know, once, once the dust sort of settled and I realized, you know, my, my, I guess, way to grieve is with others and um, to have that community. Um, You know, I've met so many people along the way and some people like to keep, you know, their diagnosis and their treatment and everything to themselves. And that's like, you know, I totally understand and respect that for me. I like needed to have like a crew to vent to and, and to chat with. And so I found the breasties um, and sort of just like inserted myself into this amazing community. And, and through that community found Trish among so many others. And um, I'll stop there and let Trish kind of take it and let her share her story. And then we can talk about our origin. Our meet cute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was diagnosed in 2016. So I had like a two year head start on TIFF. I also founded myself, my love myself. I, um, you know, I had, I have twin sons and one of them had leukemia, right? So I'm not a stranger to the cancer experience, but I still didn't know where the heck it came from. And when I felt the lump, I was just like, ah, this is it. I knew it. I knew it right away that this was it. This was cancer. This was troubling and it needed further investigation. And I kind of went to war with my um, general practitioner because he was just aghast. You just had a physical, you, you passed with flying colors. You're young. You don't fit in any of these boxes. Like, why are you even in my office? And so I felt like, you know, why is he gatekeeping the mammogram? Just write the script and get out of my way. Um, which is what I kind of forced him to do um, because he couldn't feel the lump. I had to put my hand over his hand and literally point it out. Um, And so, yeah, diagnose invasive ductal carcinoma. At first they said it was very tiny, that it would probably just be a lumpectomy would be sufficient and I can go about my way. But um, as many survivors will tell you that like distrust of your body like really, really crystallized then. Cause I was like, who can know what to do? What's the right thing? Is, is it just this, is it not enough? So I kind of was like, what is it? Everything but the kitchen sink mentality, take it all out. I don't want to look, I want it all gone. And so I chose um, a deep flap and on the operating table, they found um, uh, 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 a chest wall, um, uh, what do you call it? Metastasis, I guess, or yeah. like second location because they ran all the tests and it wasn't in any lymph nodes. And so my breast surgeon went about his way. It was my plastic surgeon that found um, this secret second cancer. And so they walked out of that saying, well, maybe things have changed a bit. And so the tumor board suggested that I have ACT, um, um, uh, chemo, radiation, everything, you name it. Um, And so I was just fighting for my life. And it wasn't important for me necessarily at the time to find community because I was just trying to get through the day-to-day. But at the end, when you're kind of trying to navigate survivorship and they tell you, congrats, go live your life. And you're like, well, what is my life? I'm not returning to what was there. That's like the first lie when they say, get through treatment and you can return to your life. The life that I knew wasn't there anymore. And so that's and I was like, I need people to explain what happens next. And so I too found the Breasties, which was in its infancy at the time. And Tiff and I met at a meetup at a Friendsgiving of all places. And we, we took a liking to each other. But again, you're still, everybody's on their own journey trying to figure it out. It was definitely during the pandemic, we realized we were both music fans. And like, you know, when the Breasties have music made up meetup, maybe we should have a meetup or a karaoke, we like singing, don't we, you know? And then the pandemic shut everything down and we had to pivot. And like everyone else, we took our talents to social media. (laughs) And um, I was going live on Instagram with another member of the community and Tiff sent me a DM, I think like the next day or whatever. And she's like, I too would like to go live with you and we should do that. And so, it was either do that or bake banana bread. So we decided to, <laughs> we're to go live. <laughs> decided to go live. Um, and and Hip Hop Happy Hour was born. You know, our initial uh, lives was just like party of three. Me, Tiff, and her husband. <laughs> and but we did really. You, what were you doing? You were just chatting or there were your topics? 
right, Tiff? Tell them. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, when back when I laugh and I, I look at those days fondly when it was just so simple. It was also simple back then, um, but it was literally like like a small bootleg ring light that I had. Now I have like these like extensive lighting operations. T has a corner that she does it in. But back then it was like this like small, like Amazon ring light for $20. And I'm like hunched over my, my coffee table. And back then it was like, no one knew us. So we were just, yeah, it would be chatting. It would be a lot of like, just like playing hip hop jams and, you know, Yes, we would talk about cancer, but then we would also start talking about just pop culture and things going on in the world. And that was a very tough time pandemic. But then we had such of like social and racial unrest and, and there was a lot of other things happening. So then, you know, that we would have like these really great conversations ab- about that. And, and then like other people would start joining and, and we had like a small sort of like steady crew there for a while. And it was like a handful of us, 10 people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really just like people could count on it. And, you know, at the time, you know, we were on lockdown for so long and it was just like, yeah, like as he said, bake banana bread or like binge <laughs> the latest on Netflix, Tiger King, I think was hot yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, no, or join Trish and Tiff for just some like levity in this mayhem. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got that a lot. It was something that folks could count on. No matter what, they could tune in on Friday night and count on us to just shoot the, if you will, like shoot the crap. If they will. Yeah. There it is. And um, it was, it was, again, as much for them as it was for us, because it wasn't that we were doing anything fancy or different. It was basically our offline conversations happening in front of whoever dared to join our live and, and, and tune in. And it was very therapeutic. And, you know, we, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine what, how we could have gotten through that time if we didn't have this, each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think people at the time, right. Everyone was craving these connections that they weren't getting online. And it sounds like you really offered them this like stable, like come hang out. It's fun. Yeah. And take your mind mm-hmm. off all the, you know, nonsense happening in the world. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, and we can dive into that a little bit more, but it was, there wasn't a place where you can have a cancer and chronic illness, but it wasn't your be all end all. Like it, it, it didn't, you could have it or not have it. You could relate or not relate, but it wasn't the thing that defined you. And it, what there wasn't a place where we could all celebrate one another, right? Like just, oh, you rang a bell. Like if no one else is happy for you, we are, mm-hmm. you know, like, are you just your NED? we celebrate you, we salute Mm -hmm. you. And it's just, it was nice because folks, you couldn't have birthday parties, you couldn't gather. So this was your birthday party or your celebration. And so we really pride ourselves on being the like cheerleaders for everyone in this community. Mm -hmm. And then what happened, you know, as the year went on, as you grew your audience, it's clearly evolved into a much bigger thing now. Yeah. Gosh, how did that happen? Do you ever, I mean, I'm like, asking this real time to, to Trish. I'm like, let's have a conversation about this, how this really happened. I was sitting here thinking like, well, when did it really change for us? Like, was there a moment where it changed for us or was it just gradual? Like, what do you think about I think that? it was little moments along the way, right? Like yeah. we were invited, we were invited by the Breasties to kind of do an opening ceremony yeah. for their yeah. virtual camp. Um, by that point, we were only doing it officially for like three or four months and they asked us to open. And so I think it was supposed to be this like party, but something mm. happened that week, some racial unrest, big one that happened that week. And so they were kind of forced to pivot. Should they cancel? Should they not cancel? And Tiff and I were basically like, we've got this. We're just going to have a conversation. And she and I were able to just have a real she's white, I'm black, let's just talk and spell it out yeah. conversation. That was an eye-opener for a lot of the community. And we collectively got a lot of feedback, a lot of notes of people that were like, wow, I never thought about this, or this changed my perspective completely. And we're like, oh, okay, we're just not two regular people talking <laughs> silliness. Like, uh-oh, there's impact here. This is real, this is real. This is real, uh-oh. <laughs> 
That's that a good point. That was, yeah, that's a good point. I think that was the first moment looking back. I realized people are watching you, Tiffany. Like, I mean, this isn't just, I mean, yes. The re- reason we started it was out of boredom and crave for community. And it's just this cheeky fun. And it is that most of the time, but then by the way, when like we're here, especially me being white, like in our bubble, things are happening out there. And Mm -hmm. if we're going to be there for people, and then, then I guess that's also what made me realize, like, we're not just there for people who have a chronic illness or cancer. It's like, then I think we started to think kind of more on a macro level, like, gosh, like if we have this voice, albeit like to a handful of people, like there's a lot that we have a platform in general and, and how can we sort of make an impact and to kind of piggyback. I hate that word sometimes. I feel like it's that corporate word. Like, you know, those <laughs> corporate words where you're like, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Piggyback. On piggyback. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I can imagine how real it was, right? To have a white woman and a black woman just being really candid. I think so many people at that time, honestly, were afraid to have those conversations. Oh, and absolutely. I was. And I, I, w- I was. Still aren't afraid, but I almost feel like there was just so much unrest that mm. no one knew what to do. And so seeing you guys just, hey, let's let's put it out there. Let's talk about mm-hmm. this. Yep, absolutely. Not worry about making a mistake. I mean, I think from a white woman's perspective, I think that there's a lot of fear that you're going to say the wrong thing and people then don't say anything. Absolutely. And as a black woman too, it's like, oh, I don't, it's a, such a risk right? To like, Mm. keep it real. And that like, I too can be canceled because I'm already, I don't have privilege. So I'm taking a big chance by like peeling back the curtain and telling these, these uncomfortable truths, but they're reality. So yeah, that was definitely the first time where we're like, oh, okay, this is the big leagues now. (laughs) Well, yeah, because when you have a platform, the voice now has, you know, responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely been times along the way where we're like, do I want all this responsibility though? (laughs) But I mean, the answer is like, I couldn't imagine like not doing this. Like, you know, I mean, and, and as you grow, like, you know, with it comes, with comes responsibility for sure. Absolutely. But But we're, we're equal to the task. (laughs) And what, so what has followed that, right? What, how, have you continued to grow? What opportunities have you had? You know, we're just, we remain open and, and, mm-hmm. and these things, they happen organically. I can't tell you now we were trying to like, really like get our heads around things and sit on the table and strategize, but we yeah. really like led with our heart and everything that's happened. It's been like, it, it started as an idea or a conversation. Like for example, we can lead into that reclaim October, which is mm-hmm. our big push. That came in a conversation that Tiff and I were having during a hip hop happy hour, where we were just basically like aghast by like all the ways that breast cancer awareness month has been like commodified and capitalism and all that stuff. And then we were just like shaking our fist at it. And then um, I think I like, cause I don't sleep. And so I think I said Tiff. <laughs> and I uh, sleep a lot. <laughs> uh, and she sleeps a lot and I don't sleep at all. And I send her as I'm, as I'm off, as I want to do, I like 2 a.m. text and I'm like, okay, here's what I think we should do. And she wakes up at five in the morning and she replies. It's not five, it's like 6.37. Hey, there's nothing wrong with waking up at five. Would you like me to text you at five? I can totally do No, it. don't text me at five. I don't get up at five. You can text my husband at five. He gets up even earlier than that. But she's like, yes. And then we just decided, you know, like, let's start doing this thing where we take back October because we're the ones that have gone through it. And we know the organizations, you know, that can benefit from it. And we didn't know what the heck we were doing. But again, we led with our heart and it's become this thing like two years in a row, we've done it. And now we have like a team and we mobilize Mm. people and they look forward to it. Like we couldn't imagine. And what, what exactly are you doing? oof yeah so reclaim yeah this was yeah so again trish trish kind of came up with this she came up with this slogan and we started shaking our fists and and really this is about um just bringing awareness to you know what it really means um as far as the breast cancer experience right so 
oftentimes, um, and this is where it got, you know, this is where we got angry is oftentimes you'll see pink ribbons on Van and yogurt or whatnot. We're like, well, what does this, what does this mean? Like, what, what are you doing to help the people die in the 40,000 plus women dying per year? Like what, what's happening here? And, or like, you know, using the, the pink as a marketing ploy. And we're like, no, no, but we're here. How are you involving real humans with these diagnosis, uh, diagnoses, if you will, on there? And so um, what we would do is we really, uh, you know, handpicked uh, organizations, usually grassroots, quite grassroots organizations that the impact went uh, right to somebody that would really benefit examples. Um, the first person I think of is someone that we all love and just lost recently in the community is um, Lakeisha Gordon from Pink Shoes. Um, you know, this is someone that is, was, I don't want to, anyways, this is raw, but this is someone that, you know, would, was going through her own battles of metastatic breast cancer, but she would, I mean, this is how Trish met her. She was a recipient of Pink Shoes. I mean, literally groceries, gas cards, prom dresses, like you name it. She was, uh, delivering these, uh, these things to, uh, women undergoing treatment and, and breast cancer. And, you know, these are the types of organizations, uh, that we wanted to support because the money was going right to the hand or Metaviber. We know that every dollar you spend with Metaviber goes right to research. Um, you know, T, you know, mm-hmm. there's Absolutely. more, but I mean, these are, this is the, the idea of like, we have these street teams doing all the like promotions and the real stories. And we, we kind of had themes each week this past October and it's each year it's going to get bigger and better because, you know, it's, it's got quite the buzz now. Yeah, absolutely. We our our goal is to like educate, entertain, yep. and amplify in that month. That's, so that's it. Yeah. So it was like four. Usually, it's four organizations. It's now four weeks. So we're like we reclaim beauty, reclaim your body, reclaim whatever. And then during that week, anything that has to do about that about losing hair, getting your hair, and mm-hmm. how to empower yourself when you lose your hair, like all of the different um, aspects within that umbrella and then raising for an organization that usually fits within that theme. Um, And so, yeah, we started, it was T and I the first year, like not sleeping and doing all these things. This time we assembled this mighty street team of like, I think 40 plus survivors, survivors, and broke them up into teams and, and it was just amazing. And in the last two years of doing this, strictly on Instagram, we've raised over $30,000. Wow. That's yeah, amazing. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it you know, even if it was $3,000 or $30, like everyone involved in the process really takes ownership and feels pride about it because yeah. they, you know, you, you go through this and you want to help. And you just don't know how to help. And so it's more than just raising funds. It's it's really empowering yourself. And so we're excited. We're excited about it. It's an amazing idea. And, you know, there's so much negative in October. I mean, my favorite is when they put the pink ribbon on the donuts and the burgers and all that stuff that we know is not ideal to eat a lot of. Um, but and then, you know, they're not actually giving money to that. Right. No. Exactly. Like the, the pink ribbon on the alcohol bottle. I'm like, but you're not donating and you can't. I have looked on their website and they're like, well, we'll donate 5% of proceeds. I mean, that's just a joke. Yeah, joke. exactly. Exactly. That's what set us off. I think what was the, the real, what pushed was this woman that was selling um, pink hair extensions for. Yeah, that was what it was. And I was, I looked on her Instagram and it was, and I, I couldn't tell she wasn't affected by it. She didn't know anybody. And like, it was very like gray and weird about where the money was going. And that's when, that's when the fist came out. That's when the fist came out. We were like, you know what? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Because now the folks, you know, they they prey on the folks that want to give. And so now at least these folks that want to help and they don't know, they know that they can trust us to give them, uh, make that connection. So we look forward to that. And that's something that we do, but also we found ourselves, like when different things came up, like um, Asian um, American month, we've raised money for Texas. We've raised money. Sometimes these one-off Haiti. things, Haiti, we've raised money. Like 
you know, things that happen in the world come up yep. and T will say to me, like, you think we should? And I'm like, I'm embarrassed. We keep asking the same people. <laughs> we're like, we're draining that well dry. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing though. People are like prime for it. They're, they love it. And cause it's, we make it fun too. Like the live, the Instagram, say what we will about the tool that kicks us off more often than not. But they have this amazing feature where you can live fundraise and just like watching those numbers go up. And then all of a sudden we're just like, it's just some of my most favorite moments where, you know, have been in this like, um, like incredible moments of just like generosity of the community. It's so much fun. Absolutely. It's really cool. I mean, and I think the fact that so many people want to give back uh, it's, it's amazing, you know, and I think a lot of, you know, what we didn't talk about, but a lot of, survivors and thrivers, people living with cancer, you know, struggle so much with financial toxicity and the fact that, you know, their treatments are expensive and co-pays and all that. And yet here they are still donating and still giving and sharing is it's, it's just incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Trish, I saw a reel switching gears a little bit, but I saw a reel that you posted it was today about um, talking to the doctor that, you know, didn't want to give you the mammogram. Uh, the one that said, don't you feel stupid? Don't you feel ashamed? Yeah. <laughs> I just saw that before we logged on and I was like, ah. And, but you know what I think, and I was asking someone else about this, you know, we know that young women get dismissed very often and women of color especially get dismissed. And yeah. so I think, I think it's really important to advocate. And the more that people see it, that maybe when they go with the, for a breast lump and someone dismisses them, that they will take it serious. You know, they will advocate for themselves and push to get that mammogram done. Yeah. I know. I, you know, I, uh, I already put it on my TikTok, but I was like, should I put it on Instagram? I'm like, Ooh, it's a little bit like inflammatory, but you know, I don't care. Cause I think that's how, that's how things are able to continue because we're socialized as women to kind of keep our mouth shut and don't make a fuss. And like, it wasn't you, it's just how it is. And so it's like, no, I need to say it and have it in people's back of mind that like, you know, a doctor or a nurse, it, it's, all, it's a profession. People, this is their job, you know, but you have to live in that body. And so hey, maybe it's a doctor's bad day or he's not having a good day or whatever it is. You're still, you're still entitled to be treated as a human, as a whole person and not be dismissed. And so, yeah, I put it and I'm not taking it down. You should not take it down. You should not take that down. Not take it down. Did you ever though go back to that doctor, whether in a letter or a note or in person and actually say, hey, look, this turned out to be something? Oh yeah, I most certainly did. Mm -hmm. I did because I- Have you um, met Trish, Dr. T? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I assume she had, but you know, we're, we're, you know, we're putting it out here. That's right. Well, you know what? Old me wouldn't, but I think that was the beginning of the new me because like I said, he didn't feel it when I went back because I said, maybe my mind is playing tricks. Like, let me let him find it. So him not feeling it when I went there was like, okay, strike one. And then like giving me a hard time to get the script strike two. And when it came back positive, I'm like strike three. So I went back. Now I'm more in the habit. And I tell survivors that want to, that to give the feedback because too often people like leave and say like, screw this doctor or screw that situation and never give them the feedback. Now I'm all about the feedback um, so that they can enact change. So at that time, I wasn't thinking feedback. I was more like give me my chart. I'm going someplace else because I can't trust you. Uh, (laughs) And so when I went to get my chart is when I was kind of like, oh, by the way, it's cancer. And um, he, because it wasn't an appointment. So he was kind of in between. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And like, he continued on his way. And I'm like, you see, like, you see, like my world is ending. And he was like, well, good luck with everything. So that was everything that I needed to know about how it works, right? Mm-hmm. That like people are able to clock out at yeah. the end of the day and go back to their lives, but we have to oh, live yeah. in it. So that was, was the beginning of the Was it easy for you to just walk in and get your chart? Like I envisioned that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine like really wants her chart and like, <laughs> like she, <laughs> it's like one of my favorites. Like it wasn't like that or like, can you just roll up in there and be like, give me my chart? 
Oh, well, that one, I guess, because, you know, I just had cancer. They're like, oh, and I was like, like cancer, cancer. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so they gave me my chart. But um, when I had to fight with the gastro, that was. I can imagine my charts like the yay high, like manila <laughs> envelope after manila envelope of just paper. God. Some yeah. Places, some places actually charge you per page. Yeah. Oh, that's which oh, I, I think it's so terrible. And so people that's terrible. want to get a second opinion. They want to switch doctors and they also can't afford like $500 worth yeah. their charge. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Particularly if you've been in it with a doctor in a practice for many years, you have lots of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they, they gave it to me quickly because I was kind of making a scene. <laughs> They're like, get this, these tainted documents out of here. <laughs> We only see healthy people here. <laughs> so well, oh well, best oh decision well, I made. Um, so talk to me, talk to me about survivorship and oh. what that has oh. been like. You know, you mentioned new you, old you. We know that you can't go back. You know, you become a different person. But you know, we know people are not prepared for what it's going to be like. And I think I was talking about this with someone last week. I think part of you almost has to shut down. And just like go with the moment and the chemo and the treatment and the radiation and to think so much of like, oh, I'm going to be a completely different person. I think you just can't face that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I often say, um, and I've written a lot about this actually, but I often say cancer begins when it ends. And I say that because um you know, when you're going through the motions of doctor's appointments and surgeries and chemo and this and that, like, at least for me, I was very much like, now that I have some distance from it, I can tell you, I was like not dealing with any, any sort of emotion when I was in it. I was like, Oh, I got to do this. And I'm going to be super patient. And I'm going to just like, be the one that's like super tough. And everyone's going to think I'm like, and I'm still working out and I'm trying to do all this. And I tried really hard. And I, you know, I run my own business and I was like, I'm still going to run my own business and do all this like badass woman stuff, like throughout all of this. And then as he puts it, they like let you out back into the world. They cut the cord and then they're like, bye, go ahead, ring that bell. Cool. And then that first year after was the hardest for me, like hands down, because you don't have like all these people checking up on you anymore. It's kind of like, I joke about this with Dr. Komen and I hope she listens to this because this is something we've joked about when we've had her on Hip Hop Happy Hour. But I'm like, you're never getting rid of me. I just like really hope you know that. And she's like, well, you're going to have to graduate to survivorship sometime. And I'm like, oh no. Because um, after a while, those appointments get more staggered. And then it's like, oh, but my back hurts. And now like, what does that mean? And oh, my head hurts. What does that mean? And this is what he was talking about. You're not the same, like your trust in your body is like obliterated. And so symptom like daily ailments are just not that anymore. That's a thing of the past. You overanalyze and assess everything. Then you start like for us, we're very involved in the community. People start getting diagnosed again. It's hard uh, to not think about that as being your story while still trying to be there for that person. And so it's just like so much emotion. And then, but then all around you, people that haven't gone through it are like, but you're fine now. You're great. Like, are you cancer free? Are you in remission now? And just posted something about that word remission because I don't like you because it just feels like a jinx. And I, and I don't really feel like that. I, it's kind of just like one of those, so like a juad lover she po- she always says it's like we're, we have to grow accustomed to living on fault lines and I think that's it that's what survivorship is living on fault lines absolutely there's not enough there's really just not enough support like I think getting us working towards survivorship should begin at diagnosis okay. and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be like it's presented to us very compartmentalized which doesn't work because like this person's role is done. And so it works for them, but we're the ones that have to work through all the different compartments. And so if there's no kind of cohesion, if there's no like gradually getting you from here to there and there to the other and working as a team, then you're like restarting each time you enter into a new bucket. And like, 
but why do you take from where you just were to where you're going? And then what happens when this happens? Is it a problem? To... So it's like, I really feel that like, this, I don't know what it is. I, I haven't, I, I've given it so much thought and I haven't figured it out, but like it there, you should have a cancer coach, buddy, somebody that's with you from the minute you're diagnosed. That's like literally hand holding you. Like they say that's supposed to be the role of the social worker. I'm not sure if that is. And even if it is, I didn't meet my social worker until huh, the second to last tax all. Like basically when chemo was about over was when I met my social worker and I'm like, oh, I have one. And yeah, you do. And also we have Reiki every such and so. And Wait, I'm like, I never even got one. That's what I'm saying. Because you why? Because I had the misfortune of having chemo on like, let's say Wednesdays. Meanwhile, the social worker comes around and Reiki comes around on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so no one thought to kind of introduce mm -hmm. that to me, make me be aware of it. Like I missed all these mm -hmm. services and this whole entire uh, 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 team that I had at my disposal because I went to chemo on the wrong day or what have you, you know, it's these kind of things. Yeah. There's no one that's there. That's like looking out for you in that kind of way. And so that's why when they say ring the bell and go live your life, you're adrift mm -hmm. because you're not returning to the life that you had. You don't, mm -hmm. you can't even forecast what's to come. So how can you navigate survivorship if you don't know what's ahead of you? Yeah. So taking, taking all of that and now looking back, you know, what, what would have made it better? You know, is it the buddy? Is it, you know, seeing like, um, a, you know, a support group or a check-in with the social worker monthly? Like, cause you know, we want, we talk about it a lot, but I also want to make it better. Right. So that not only do people know it's really hard, but Hey, these are things that we are starting to enact to make it a little bit less hard. I think that the education should be ongoing. Like maybe there's no, mm -hmm. there's not enough manpower. Maybe that, you know, they can't dedicate resources to it. But at the very least, you can count on me being at a certain place every Wednesday or every other whatever for infusion. And I'm not going anywhere for the amount of time that I'm sitting on that chair. So why isn't there a DVD or someone that comes and sits with you during that thing to tell like mm -hmm. cancer 101 that tells you here's where you are in the mm -hmm. journey mm -hmm. and here's what's to come or something. I mean, I, I just think that there's an opportunity there to improve it and it just hasn't been done. And so it's, it's, yeah. it's we're not being served. And also the doctors are not because you wouldn't have to field so many like, oh my God, cancer's back because my brain hurts calls. If we knew that, take a breath, is it painful? Is it two days? Yeah. Has it been five days? Right, T, wouldn't you say? I would say, and I would say that, you know, and I, I say this all in jest about Dr. Coma not getting rid of me. I mean, she's not, but like, <laughs> I, say it, I say it with a smile and I laugh. But I think that fine, I get it. Like we, her and I talk about this all the time that for her specifically, and I'm sure it's like this for you. And I'm sure it's like this for a lot of doctors. It's like the amount of people getting diagnosed or people that like really need attention. Um, you know, she's like, I can't keep up in clinic. Like I'm constantly getting more and more intake and new patients and this and that. And it's like, maybe, and I'm just thinking out loud here, but to T kind of to, to say what T was saying, but what if, you know, now I'm in, and I know that there's a survivorship sort of grad, you graduate to survivorship, at least at MSK, but it's like, I would love to have known like what I might be able to expect. So whether that is during chemo, someone comes and talks to me and says, well, now you're getting to the end of, you know, chemo. And, and here's some of the things that patients have talked about feeling after this. And, and are you feeling this? And do you need, you know, other resources or what are you doing to, to take care of yourself or this or that? I mean, I didn't have any of that. And, and thankfully uh, I was like kind of into the breast seat by that point. So I knew, and I, and I had other people to talk to, but gosh, it would have been helpful to, to sort of have that tie in with, with where I was getting treated and, and to have, you know, I, and to feel like I had resources there and not that I had to go seek those out on my own and, and work really hard to, to do that. 
I, I really think those are really helpful. Thank you for sharing them because we're always trying to figure out how we can prepare people. And I think no one is prepared. And I will tell you, honestly, I think one of the reasons that people are not prepared is because oncologists are not aware of how hard survivorship is. And I say this because I, until I really started doing this podcast and being present on social media, I had no idea because you have 15 minutes of speculation, mm. right? 15, 20 minutes. So by the time you run or you have, you know, like you don't have time to really have these in-depth conversations. When do you sit no. with somebody? And, um, you know, we started our survivorship business. We have a survivorship assessment survey that people get the day before to fill out. And oh. allows us to like, are you struggling with hot flashes or vaginal dryness or mental health? And so when yes, they, yes. Yes. Exactly. But when they walk in, you already know, hey, you know, yeah. these are the things. Let's talk about that and spending 10 minutes instead of spending 10 minutes collecting the data. But I will not mm. I, people sometimes people will put it on this survey, but they won't mention it in the exam room because they're nervous. They don't want to talk about mental health. And I think there's also a thing of like people, and I really disagree with this, but people feeling, well, I was lucky, you know, I had an early stage cancer. I shouldn't be struggling. People have it worse than me. Oh, I've thought that before. Absolutely. And so people then don't bring up what they're scared, nervous, worried about because they don't want to be a burden. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. know any of this until I started being online. And most mm-hmm. just are not online, are not present. Absolutely. I, I wish they were, everyone's so busy, but I wish for those that weren't online, but if there are more opportunities, like, you know, just like you have to do your CPR every year, you have to have your in-service, like they should force doctors to do in-services where they just sit with survivors and have one-to-ones and just hear the survivor story because yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of, that's like a big gap in between. Yeah. Or you could have Trish and I just visit people like in like their last day of chemo with a boom box and like, we're like, <laughs> Listen, we'll talk to you. We'll tell you what to expect. We'll the raw version. You need like matching jackets, like black leather jackets. Mm-hmm. They'd be they'd be like varsity jackets. And it would be like, it would say something like graduated, like I lettered in cancer. And like on, I think you know, onto something. I lettered in breast cancer. And I'm here to tell you, you're in JV right now. You're about to letter as well. Yeah. Let us tell you what to expect. Um, I, I think I just come up with a new business opportunity. I think, you did. I think you're, you're onto something. Okay. I will take, you came out on my podcast. So I <laughs> yeah, okay. You get a cut. Fine. You get a cut. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, in, in all honesty, I mean, I just think doctors aren't aware of what people struggle with. So you can't prepare someone for something that you yourself aren't aware of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's changing. You know, you might, might, if you asked me the questionnaire yesterday, maybe I had hot flashes, but not today. And so I don't mention it today because I'm not feeling it today, but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. You know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a roller coaster. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you guys want to share? Hmm. T. Oh, Dr. T, you really stumped us today. We usually can just keep rolling and going, but you know, I think, I think we hit all the the big topics. I think definitely, you know, talking about Trish and talking about advocating for yourself, I think is really important. And I think continues to be at the forefront and, and should be at the forefront. I mean, also, if you aren't, please follow Trish on TikTok and Instagram, because those reels are legendary, my friend. <laughs> Thank um, you. But I Same will say, you, like, I watch your reels and I, I want to give you a shout out because, you know, as, as much as I feel like I'm sort of a veteran now, there are like things that I learn about advocating for myself and, and such. And, and so I think that we talked about that today and I, and I just really would be remiss if I didn't just thank drive you that Same. home again. Same for you. Same. Honestly, you know, thanks doc for giving us, you know, this, this space to talk. I just, yeah. you know, we do this because we, we really love it. And we really hope to that it, one doctor, two doctors, three doctors, maybe someone who follows you, but not us will be like, well, let's see what these girls are talking about. And like, 
it will give them a different perspective that they hadn't considered because, yes. you know, we patients are so vulnerable when we come in there. It doesn't matter how badass I might be on the ground and I'm a badass in real life, but still, yes. I still have to work my, you know, I have to work my nerve when I go in that doctor's mm. office because I know I have, but so much time to like make my case. And so we're hopeful that like, you know, the doctors that follow you, medical professionals will seek us out and get to get more of the stories of the survivor stories, the pre-vivor stories, because we just keep getting diagnosed and we, we just feel like we're, we're screaming for change to happen. And it seems like it's small, but it's not happening. It's not happening as fast as we'd like. That, that's for sure. And meanwhile, more, <clears throat> meanwhile, more and more people are getting diagnosed. And yeah. That's it's, it's insane. It is just insane. The numbers. Yeah. And you know what? I have a question for you then, Dr. T. What do you, I asked this to Dr. Coleman too, but I'm always interested in other doctors' perspectives. What do you attribute those rising numbers to? You know, I don't think we know yet, but a lot of it is lifestyle. You know, people, so having kids at a younger age decreases breast cancer risk. And we know that over the last few decades, people are, women are putting careers first. They're having kids Mm -hmm. later in life. So that's definitely a factor. Um, There is a lot of alcohol use. And I, I actually think that we have not seen the effects of the pandemic drinking, because we know people were drinking a lot during COVID. And I think in 10 years, we're gonna start seeing a lot of those effects on cancer. Um, for a while, you know, obesity was, was the new tobacco and yeah, well, we're not exercising and not, to even, not even obesity, but it's this, you know, sedentary lifestyle and not exercising. Um, so those are some risk factors, but I don't think we know, you know, we're, people say that we're using, um, microwaves or we're using plastic or we're using the wrong makeup. And I, it, no, okay. Your mascara didn't cause your breast cancer. You ate a burger. You didn't work out today. That didn't cause your breast cancer, but when we put it all together, but then I see people that, you know, had kids at a young age and don't have a genetic history and they did all the right things in quotation marks. And so I, I think we don't, I don't think we know. I don't, don't know. I don't think we yeah. know. And that's why I say live your life responsibly, yeah, of course, responsibly, but you know, people will call me and they're like, well, I had a glass of wine or I had a piece of cake and now I feel guilty about it. And you know, to that, I always say that glass of wine, that cake did not, is not going to cause your cancer to come back. It's just not, there's no feasible way that it can do that. Um, and so yeah. you, you, have, you have to live your life. I mean, again, in some sort of moderation, I talk about, about, you know, how we can be help, you know, moving our bodies and focusing on limiting alcohol use and things like that. But um, you gotta have to live your life a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, you do. And celebrate it. And that's what that's what we're yeah. here for. Yeah. And that's <laughs> if you join hip hop happy hour, you you're you gonna get see, that. You will see that living happening. Yeah. So what before you wrap up, what is next for both of you? Uh, we have a lot, we have a lot actually that we're working on um right now. Probably even too premature to say, but what what we can say is this like it's it's not over. We're we're evolving. Yeah, absolutely. I will, 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 we can say though that like what can we, we are, say? Say what we, we can. Say. Well, we can say because October is coming, so we are oh, like exactly. doing our vetting um, mm-hmm. for uh, the charities that we're going to yep. support in October, um, and so look out for that. And we whatever survivors, pre-survivors that are interested in joining our Mighty Street team, reach out to us because everyone is welcome. It, both in October. And in Hip Hop Happy Hour, it is open and available to everyone. Give me all the details. Where can people follow you? And Hip Hop Happy Hour Fridays at 7. Tell me the time because I'm going to screw it up. T? Well, we can probably say, yeah. So we, um, yeah. we're we typically for every Fridays at 7. But we're going to be moving to a summer schedule. Um, which we'll announce this week when uh, we're going to be doing Friday, this Friday at seven as planned. But then uh, going forward for the summer, it will be bi-weekly on Thursdays at seven because we know people travel. We want to travel yeah. and do things. And now that like everyone's outside and, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're, yeah. we're doing that. But um, that makes, I'm personally excited because then I can actually join. <laughs> See, yeah, a lot so of people say that. Yeah, a lot of people say that. And so that's our summer schedule. But keep keep uh it locked uh, at at hip-hop underscore happy hour for those updates um t woman's our instagram 
Um, she's a whiz at that. And so we always keep the people updated there. Yep. You got it. And Trish, your own personal Instagram? Mine is Trish underscore New York City. Okay. And T? Oh, yeah. And mine is at C.D.R.E.A.M. C Dream. C Dream. Dream. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Doc. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Trish and Tiffany. I hope that you enjoyed it and learned something from it. I'm going to share with you two of my absolutely favorite quotes from this episode. Tiffany said, cancer begins when it ends. And Trish said, getting us working towards survivorship should begin at diagnosis. The more that I have these conversations, the more that this sentiment becomes so important that there is such a need to improve survivorship, to prepare, to educate patients, to guide them into that next step, which is often more difficult than active treatment. And I think this conversation really sheds a little bit of light on that. If you're not following them on Instagram, I really recommend doing so. You can follow Trish at Trish underscore New York City. You can follow Tiffany at c.d.r.e.a.m. And you can follow Hip Hop Happy Hour at hip hop underscore happy hour. All of their accounts, all of their lives, their reels, everything that they're doing is so incredible, so educational, informative. And I know that you will feel the same way as I do. As always, you can follow me at Dr. Toplinski on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, reach out, let me know what you thought about the episode. Take a moment, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as that really helps me to grow the show and bring it to new listeners. Have a great weekend and I will see all of you soon. Thank you.